Robert Noyola, did I pronounce your last name right, is going to get baptized this morning. Yeah, praise the Lord. We had three last week get baptized, and I went a little bit long and didn't get a chance. And so next week, if they're here, they weren't able to make it today because he had to work. But uh, I'm going to represent their uh, baptism certificates to him so that people can recognize it. So, Robert, I want to give you your uh, baptismal certificate before we baptize you this morning. If you'll come on up. You give him a round of applause. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, I'm going to turn it over to Randy for announcements this morning. Okay, the joke is for Texas fans, we're back. Hey, I'm back. So, like, like it or love it or hate it, you know, everybody's got their own deal. Okay, I have several announcements today. Yes, everybody. And this is standard for me to drop stuff. I got it. I'm used to being on my knees. I've been married for 52 years. And, and also, uh, that's a good place to pray for them, to be honest with you. Okay, some of the normal announcements, um, feeding the youth on Wednesday night, uh, those that do that, the doors open at 6.30 and they, and they eat. So if you've got a youth that wants to come and eat, bring them. We'll be glad to feed them. Um, January the 20th is our um, men's breakfast and Bible study. So for those of you, there's not very many people here, so I'm not telling very many people, but come and eat. That's all we talk about around here is eating. We feed the youth. We feed the men. The ladies have food. So uh, what more is there? Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, it's January 27th. Is that prime timers? Carol's not here. Is that prime timers? Okay. And it says fellowship hall, meal will be provided. I have no idea what all that means. but So if Carol's here next week, she can fill you in on all those details. I think the... Uh, Weather's kind of got them held up today. So for those of you that's been trying to find us on Facebook, we've been in Facebook jail. If you know what that is, if you say something they don't like, they'll cut you off. So, <laughs> and But anyhow, we're also on Rumble, if you know what that is. And I really don't, but I'm going to tell you, Rumble is a place where you can go and find our, our services and at least for right now we're out of Facebook jail you can find us again on Facebook <laughs> so okay so I guess you're pretty, pretty free to say what you want to on rumble as long as you just not advocate to overthrow the government or something like that <laughs> we didn't we didn't stream it Wednesday night No, we had trouble with our streaming Wednesday night. I think we've got that fixed. So, um, but technology is not infallible. And so sometimes we do have trouble with it and we don't get it done like we want to. But that's what the problem was Wednesday night. We weren't streaming, so it was not you. It was us. Okay. Okay. Um, important. 
nominations for the board and for the secretary are due today. If you don't nominate somebody, keep in mind the people that we nominate are the people that's going to run this church. And if you don't want to have any say-so in the church, don't nominate anybody. But if you do, vote for somebody that you think is going to run the church to the best of their ability. And that's, that's what this is all about. And so that brings me to the very next thing is membership. If you're not a member, you don't get to vote. If you want to have a say-so in who runs our church, you need to be a member. Ta-da! We have these cards at the sound desk in the back. The benefit of being a member is you get to vote on the people that run your church, or you get to be one of the people that is voted on to run your church. And it's important to have a say-so in what we do because we want to be sure that we're still on the same page that the Bible puts us on. So for those of you that are not members, want to be, uh, get one of these cards, fill it out, and I think we're going to have a new member class. We were going to have a membership class recently, but uh, my email back in August got hacked. And so I had Google Docs, and it's it's like been uh, taken hostage or something, so I can't get any of my documents. So I have to redo a whole uh, membership class. So I'm in the process of that. i got a packet. I'm going through some things. And so just be patient with me on that. Uh, I, again, technology. Somebody hacked it, and anybody ever been hacked before on their stuff? And then... So it's all my all my documents, all my sermons, my all my old stuff gone. I can't even get to it. So, uh, so just be patient with me. I'm in the process of making out a new membership class. So, thank you. The only other announcement I have today is don't. There is a process by which you can turn in your proxy vote, but I'm not real sure what that is. You have to turn it in like maybe the pastor or to somebody on the board. And but if why would you not want to be here? Okay, the 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 board meeting or business meeting where we're gonna elect people is gonna be on the twenty eighth. I've said that, so keep that in mind. It's not like it's cold today. It may not be cold on the 28th. So if you're a member, it's important for you to be here and vote on these people. That's exactly how you're going to get who runs your church. And that's okay. I understand that. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that they have to be here or they can't be here. But you really need to be here to vote. It's a lot easier to come and vote than it is to fill out a proxy vote and then turn it in because then it's just it's just a lot more process in that that procedure so if you can just be here to vote that's the way to go to be honest with you okay. the only other announcement that i have is if you pay tithe and christy did not get your tithe envelopes to you today they are on the security desk the safety desk out in, in the foyer you can go through there and pick those up and um, if you don't pick them up, we will try to pass them out. Uh, some each service to people that are here, and it will uh, just just be aware that they're there. If you if you tithe and you want your tithe slips, they're there. 
Robin. I just want to remind all the ladies about Heart to Heart on Tuesday night. I know it's going to be cold, but we're going to have lots of warm soups and breads and things for you to eat. And uh, Jamie Rudd from Global Harvest Church, and they also have a school, is going to be here speaking. And let's be honest with you, it's a great honor for us to have her. And so uh, she always has a word from the Lord, and she's, she's told me that, you know, she, she'll be in prayer to give us exactly what the Holy Spirit wants her to give to us. So I encourage you to be here. If you can bring something to eat, that's great. If you can't, Shauna will have plenty. <laughs> so <laughs> she will. And so I just want to encourage you to be here if you can. Okay, ladies, remember that. Thank you. Okay, the only other thing I have is... Gentlemen, come on, let's take the offering. <laughs> I could have done this by myself today. No more people here. But I'll take the help. I'll take the help. <laughs> Lord, thank you, Heavenly Father, for the day. Lord, we thank you, even though the weather's cold and the numbers are sparse, Lord, that we know that you are here with us, and we have come here to meet with you, Heavenly Father. Lord, as we prepare to worship you with our tithe and offering, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you will bless this congregation and use what we have for your glory and for your honor. In Christ's precious name, amen. Y'all stand up. Get ready to sing. you just have your way in this service, Lord. Touch the hearts and the lives of everyone in your sanctuary. In Jesus' name, amen. Our God is strong in battle. Our God can never fail. Through him all chains are broken. Through him the sick are healed. In the name of Jesus, giants are defeated. Every single mountain has to move. You're faithful to your promise. Finish what you started. There is none as powerful as you, Jesus. Jesus. the power of heaven setting the captives free we are your church awakened singing in victory and in the name of Jesus giants are defeated every single mountain has to move you're faithful to your promise finish what you started there is none as powerful as you and in the name of jesus giants are defeated every single mountain has to move you're faithful to your promise finish what you started there is none as powerful as you 
Your name is healing. 
every stronghold shine through the shadows burn like the fire and I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within his presence I speak
and mercy, strength, and power, and healing, and forgiveness, and restoration. So Lord, right now, just at this moment, we turn our eyes upon you, full of mercy and full of grace. We glorify you, we praise you. morning. Everybody trying to stay warm out there? Boy, I haven't felt these temperatures since the time that I was stationed in North Dakota. And they said that the wind chills were 66 below out there this morning. So if you have your Bibles, would you open up with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2. I have it verses 12 through 18, but we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to go back. We're Finally, catching back up where we left off in our uh, uh, series, uh, The Joy of Knowing Christ. And we're going to kind of recap a couple things here this morning, the, the heart of a servant. And today's message is working out what God has already done within us. So we're going to be looking at that this morning. So Philippians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1, verses 1 through 18, and then we're going to pray. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love... If any fellowship with His Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. 
Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death, on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. <coughs> Excuse me. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have already, as, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God, without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like the stars in the universe. As you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we recap a little bit on chapter 2, I pray, Father, that you will give us insights that we've never had before. Give us understanding. Open up the eyes of our understanding by the power of the Holy Spirit, revealing your word to us. Help us to put it into practice. God, I, as your vessel, I can do nothing apart from you. Speak through me this morning as you share your words with each of us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. So again, the title, Working Out What God Has Already Done. Now we're going to do a little recap. Paul starts off in, the book, in, in chapter 2. Now again, they didn't have chapters back then, so it's a continuous thought. He's writing a letter to uh, the, the church of Philippi, and he's in prison. Remember, he's in the maritime prison, chained to a wall down in the floor. Uh, last week we looked at chapter 3. We're kind of going backwards today. Uh, but... Uh, He's, he's, he talks about not only joy, but he's, now he's talking about the heart of a servant. And we, we recap on what we learned before. If you guys remember this when I preached, I know it might have been a couple months ago because God was bringing up different messages. Uh, but the heart of a servant means being like-minded. That means unified, having the same thoughts, the same purpose in mind. Um, one of the purposes that the church should have is to reach the lost, right? That's being one in mind. How many of us have the, the heart to reach people for Jesus? How about purpose within the body of Christ? Uh, being like-minded, unified, being in unity. The second thing he talks about, the heart of a servant means having the same love. How many of us have the same love? Sometimes, right? How many of us should dis, uh, uh, demonstrate love or that same love? But we don't always, do we? But having a heart of a servant means having the same love. The next one that we looked at was the heart of a servant means being one in spirit and purpose. Same as being like-minded. It coincides. The early church, when the Holy Spirit was pouring out, what happened? They were one purpose. They were together in one purpose and in prayer. And what happened? God's anointing poured out on the early church. The heart of a servant means one doesn't self-promote. Anybody ever met somebody that tried to promote themselves at work? Business, it's not, it's, it's not a joyous thing to see somebody 
We called him a brown noser when I worked for Tulsa County. I'm sorry I used that word, but it's the truth, right? That's what he's talking about. We're not to self-promote ourselves. God's the one that promotes us. The heart of a servant means looking to the interests of others before yourselves. That means being selfless, thinking about somebody else's interests in their life. Again, uh, men, you're watching a, a program on TV. Your wife asks you to take the trash out. You're in the middle of it. Maybe it's a football game. Dallas is losing, right? I'm kidding. You know, Kansas City's coming up, right? Your favorite team's getting ready to score a touchdown, but your wife says, will you please take out the trash? What, what's your response usually? No. It's just that's a small uh, example. The heart of a servant means working on yourself and not, not others, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So I kind of went through a, a chapter 2, verses 1 through uh, 11 just then and of course Paul describes who that Jesus uh, exemplified all these things he was the perfect example of what a heart of a servant means now we come to this part look with me in verse 12 therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed not only in my presence but now much more in my absence continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. The heart of a servant means working out your own salvation with fear and troubling. Now there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to this passage of scripture. What does Paul mean when he says work out your salvation with fear and trembling? I, I think this, this scripture has been uh, abused before on people. It doesn't mean what you think it means. It doesn't mean you're working for your salvation. Paul des desired that the Philippians work out like two people who work out their differences, their salvation as a community. He wanted them to be obedient to the Lord despite his absence from them. See, it's easy to act the part when others are around, but what about when nobody's around? What he's talking about is not earning your salvation, but you're working out what God has already done inside of you. So when you and I get saved, God changes us. But as we get saved, how many of us still have an old flesh that we're dealing with? Mind, emotion, and wills. That's called the soul. Your mind hasn't been changed once you got saved. You might get the mind of Christ through renewing your mind through the scriptures. But you have to make a, an effort to change your what? Your thoughts. You have to make an effort to change your what? Your actions. So it's easy again to act the part when others are looking, but not when other. But when, but how do we conduct ourselves when nobody's looking? I, I like this example. Kids act up when the teacher's not in the classroom, but they but they're angels when the teacher's present. How about parents? I mean, with their kids, right? So it's the same thing. God wants us to work out what he's already done inside of us. Paul does not mean, again, here, that you and I are to work for our salvation. That goes against scripture. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For it is by grace, grace means unmerited favor, you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So... 
listen, if, if I could save myself, then I could boast. Hey, I saved myself, right? But we can't save ourselves. So the only one that we can boast in is the one that can save us, which is Christ. So you can't earn your salvation. You can't work for it. What he's saying again is God's working in you after you get saved. How many of us God is still working on? Yeah, thank you. Everybody raise their hand. If you're not, I want to know what the key is. God is still working those things inside of us. We know that Paul did not mean work so as to earn your own salvation. Such a statement would contradict the whole, uh, Paul, the whole of Paul's gospel. What Paul did mean is to call the Philippians to put forth real effort into their Christian lives. This is not to work their salvation in the sense of accomplishing it, but to work out their salvation, to see it evident in every area of their lives, to activate the salvation God has freely gave them. That's uh, uh, David Gusick in his commentary. So it's, here's the wonderful thing. You start the journey with God, but God's in the journey with you, and he's working it. Look, look here at verse 13 in your Bibles. For it is God who does the work, right? For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. God's the one that does the work. He works in you to work out his purposes. He puts you in situations to work out his purposes. He places you where he places you to work out his purposes. God has a purpose for every single one of us. And it's God who works in us to will and to act according to what he wants us to do. How many of us would agree this morning that you don't belong to yourself, you belong to Jesus? You know, I, one of my old uh, mentors said to me one time, he says, when we give our lives to Jesus, we give up all of our rights. Did you hear that? But Jesus, I want this. Jesus, I want it this way. No, Jesus, I want you to do it this way. No, that's not how it works. It's, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Jesus, what do you want to do in me? Jesus, how do you want to use me? Is this all making sense this morning? So we do, however, need to stay in our salvation. That doesn't mean we're working for it. We have to stay. Does that, now, I understand that that's not work. You're just staying. It's called relationship. Do you, you understand what a relationship? You, you have a married couple, right? They're married. They've got a ring. But, but you can leave that relationship. Do you guys see that? I want to take us to a couple scriptures here. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Notice I, uh, I highlighted through what? Through faith. That word through pro means properly or after verbs. It's a verb. A verb means action, right? Denoting an extension or a motion or an act. 
that occurs through any place. I like a, a, the, the word biblical commentary by James Ramsey Michaels. It says, God protects his people by his power as they wait to come into their inheritance. But what is required of them in the meantime is faithfulness to their Lord Jesus Christ and the steadfastness of endurance of suffering where the ones for whom the good things are preserved are those who have endured. Did that, that was a lot of words. Did you Try saying that five times over. Right? What he's saying is we have to endure. We have to persevere. We have to remain faithful. The Apostle Paul, when he was getting ready to die, he says, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. Stay the course. Stay in that relationship. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. You, can, you and I can step out of that relationship. This is a scripture describing the end times, but he says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion or falling away, the Greek word as apostasy occurs, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. That word apostasy means to defect. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, clearly says that in later times, some will abandon what? The faith and follow deceiving spirits and things bought, taught by demons. The word abandon here comes from the Greek word episteme, which means to stand off, stand aloof, go away, to depart from anyone, to desert, withdraw from one, to fall away, to become faithless. That's the original Greek word right there. So what does it mean is we work out what God has already done inside of us and we continue to allow him to sanctify us and remain faithful to the Lord. I've known lots of people that started out well, but they didn't finish. I'm sure some of you could raise your hand today and know somebody that started in their relationship with Jesus, but they're not serving him today. This is not in our notes, but this scripture came to me. It's actually in our notes for tonight, but go with me real quick in your Bibles to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Look in verse, verses 19 through 20. James chapter 5, verse 19. It speaks, speaks loudly about staying faithful. James says, he says, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth... And someone should bring him back. Now, the word bring back means to convert him. Wander means to defect or leave the truth in the original language. So he says, my brothers, if one of you should leave the truth or depart from the truth and someone should convert him, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death. The word death there in the original language literally means physical and spiritual death and cover over a multitude of sins. Notice he says, my brothers. He's speaking of brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ. So again, what am I reiterating? You can't work for your salvation, but you need to stay in your relationship with Jesus. Now there's a lot of denominations that don't teach that. I think it's like a get out of free car, uh, jail card, right? I, I, can, I can get saved, but live however I want to live. Listen, God is, we are to have reverence for God. And if we don't live for the Lord like we're supposed to, 
we can backslide and walk away from the Lord. To wander, again, that word wander literally means backslide. When you look up the original word for that, how many of you guys heard when you were kids, they're, they're backslidden? How many of us know somebody this morning that's backslidden? I didn't get a lot of raise of hands, so I, I don't need to ask for that. But listen, there's a lot of people that are backslidden. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. And you've heard me read this scripture before, but it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify, that means set you apart, through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Here's the wonderful thing. We know that we have to stay in that, but we're not in it alone. God's going to help us in that process. He is faithful. He's not going to give up. Your family members that aren't serving God right now, they once gave their life to Jesus. He's, he hasn't given up on them. He's going to keep knocking at their door. He's going to keep bugging them. One of these days, keep praying. They're going to give their life to the Lord. Listen, I've seen that with my family. Yeah, I got a clap offering from that. Hallelujah. Listen, God is faithful. He will do it. We need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit by removing or getting rid of those things which hurt our relationship with God. That's what it means to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It means to get rid of or remove those things which hurt our relationship with Jesus. I want to read another commentary. This tells us to give attention to our own salvation. Sometimes we show great concern for the work of God and others and not enough for his work in us. We should care about the souls of others, but this care must begin with our own soul. That means oftentimes we're always pointing out somebody else's sins before we're pointing out our own. I've always been told, remember, when you're pointing your finger, how many are pointing back at you? There's one pointing up, one pointing out, and three pointing back at you. If you point like a gun, that's how I do it. Just don't do that in public. Right? The whole part of working out our own salvation with fear and trembling is looking at ourselves. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 5. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye, or speck of sawdust. Oftentimes, we got this big old thing right here. I can just imagine Jesus. I think he was an illustrator. I think he literally took up a big old log and stuck, he, you know, he was a carpenter. He was pretty strong. And he took up a big log. I think he took up a big log and he talked about that. How many of you ever got a speck of sawdust in your own eye? And it hurts. Could you imagine having a log in your eye? Yeah, Doc, I got this stuck in my eye today. But wait, my friend over here, he's got a speck of sawdust. Will you get his first? We call that self-righteousness. We want to point out everybody else's faults without looking at our own. And we're all guilty of it. What we need to be asking is, God, will you work on these own things in my own life? Will you help me? It's recognizing that we have areas in our life that need work and listening to the Holy Spirit. So work out your own salvation. The word he uses for work out is, and I'm not going to say it, that's a very long word, which always has the idea of bringing to completion. It is as if Paul says, don't stop halfway. Go on until the work of salvation is fully wrought in you. 
No Christian should be satisfied with anything less than the total benefits of the gospel. That means keep working. Don't give up. Let God work in you. This is when we give up, when it gets tough and it gets hard and we decide, no, Lord, I don't want any more. And it's usually when somebody is correcting us of something that we don't like. My kids don't like correction. How many of you guys like correction as a kid when your parents would correct you? Especially when you were a teenager, you thought you knew everything, right? Or in your early 20s. And parents have to correct you, and you have to learn the hard way. We call that being hard-headed. Anybody have somebody in your family that they, they just have to, no matter how much you tell them that they're hard-headed, they have to learn the hard way? Yeah. It, it, it's like they have to have a brick, a brick hit them in the head, or they, their head smashed up against a brick wall before they get it. Everybody knows that saying, right? God doesn't want us to do that. We need to be able to take correction from the Lord. And he wants to sanctify us, set us apart for him. And the wonderful thing is he's going to keep doing it whether you like it or not. When you signed up for the kingdom, guess what? You signed up for Jesus to work on every area of your life, even the areas that you don't want him to see. How many of you ever done this before? My wife makes fun of me because I got a bunch of junk drawers. And when somebody comes over the house, so don't do this. So you're probably going to go looking through my drawers at the house. She gets so mad at me because if we have to clean the house, I'm like, well, that can go in the drawer. That can go in the drawer. And I got about five of them. And she'll, she'll pull it out. And she goes, is this another drunk drawer? She goes, you just do that. You're not really cleaning, you know. You know the old rug or when you were a kid, you'd shove it up underneath your bed. See, we think we can do that with God, but God sees it all. He knows where our junk drawers are. What do you got in your junk drawer that he wants to take out and clean? 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me or with me. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul is saying here, He's saying, listen, I am not in this alone. God is working with me. Yes, I am what I am, but I work harder than all of it. Yet not I, but the grace, God's favor of God is working with me. Are you allowing God to work with you? Are you getting in line with what he wants to do in you? That's Again, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. You're not doing it alone. God's helping you do the work. How many of you love his work sometimes and go, God, won't you stop for a while? He is the potter, but we are what? The clay. He molds us in the way that he wants to shape us. Again, for God who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. God is working in you this morning. Again, the day that you said yes to Jesus, he began the work. One of my chaplains when I was in the Air Force, and his name was Chaplain Stutz, great guy. He was a Baptist minister, but he still loved Jesus. I love the guy. He was my favorite chaplain. And in his office, he had a picture. And it was Jesus taking a chisel with a hammer. And the guy was a stone figure, and he was creating this figure. And in the bottom, it was still stone, but in the first top part of it was a man. 
And I'll never forget, Chaplain Stutz said, this is what Jesus is doing in you. Guys, Jesus is still chipping away. He's still making us into the image of Christ. Paul says, Paul lays out ways to work out that salvation to the Philippian believers. Look at, look at verse, verses 14 through 15. Paul gives them some ideas or some ways that they need to work out. He says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Let's stop there for a minute. Anybody ever complain? How many of you argue? Husbands and wives, do you still argue sometimes? Moms and dads. We had an argument this morning. I had to brush my daughter's hair. I keep telling her, if you just brush it every day, you wouldn't have knots in it. And you know, I don't have long hair, so I don't feel the pain that it feels when you pull hair down. But I'm trying to do it softly, and I'd catch it once in a while, and she'd get upset and angry. I said, well, if you'd, you'd comb your hair every day, you wouldn't have this problem. You know, call, getting a rat in your hair, right? That's an argument. Paul lays it out, and he says, listen, do everything, not some things, not a few things, but do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like the stars in the universe. So don't argue or complain. What caused Israel to spend 40 years wandering in the desert? They complained. Complaining. Do you ever have a kid that complains all the time? Guess what? We're God's kids. How many of us complain? But God, why God? It's not fair. That is one thing that irritates me the most. It's not fair, Dad. And then you see, well, life's not fair, right? Let's go to Numbers 13. I got a few minutes here. Let's go to Numbers chapter 13. Hold your spot here in Philippians. Let's look at verses 26 through 33 here. And then we're going to jump over to chapter 14. Numbers chapter 13, verse 26. Now, Moses had sent 12 spies out into the promised land. They crossed the Jordan, they went out, and, and they were doing reconnaissance. Is it as God said it was, flowing with milk and honey? And so he sends them out to, to look at the peoples and check out who were there. And, the, and understand there were the giants that were there, the sons of Anak. They're also the descendants of the Nephilim. They're, they're these big guys, giant guys, right? And, and look what they said. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Oh, man, they, they come in with this fruit. They gave Moses this account. When we went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. The idea meant that it was prosperous. It was a wonderful place to place your family. And then he says this. Here it is. Here's the fruit, verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We saw the descendants of Nanak there. The Amalekites live in Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live there near the sea and along the Jordan. 
Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Well, they started out with a great report, but, uh, but complaining. They looked at the circumstances. Let's go over to chapter 14, verses 26 through 33. Chapter 14, verse 26. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. In this desert, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. God knows who grumbles. Notice he says, and those who grumbled against me. I mean, if he can count the hairs on our head when they fall out, I mean, it doesn't say that he counts them as they fall out, but he knows the number of our hair. So I just imagine every hair that falls out, he already knows it. It says he, he knows and he, he knows all the stars and he names them. There's trillions of stars and he, ha, he has each one by a name. So he knows when we grumble against him. Verse 30, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home except Caleb, the son of Jephunan, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children of that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But you, your bodies will fall in the desert. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness, until the last of your bodies lies in the desert. So Paul, evidently there was some grumbling and complaining going on within the church, and so he says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then he says, do everything without complaining or arguing. That's grumbling. That's complaining. How about your job? Anybody ever complain about their job? I can't stand my boss or that coworker, or I can't stand the job that they've given me. That's grumbling. Arguing causes strife and really comes down to pride. Who's right and who's wrong? Anybody ever get, anybody have family members, they argue? One thing I know about the Truesdales, you don't get them into a room and talk politics because they argue and they argue and they argue. Now, religion, I will argue. I'm the only one that got that. One other person. But you're not supposed to argue. You'll never win, an, you'll never win somebody to Christ through arguing. Listen, he says to get rid of these things for a reason. Keeping yourselves from arguing and complaining helps our witness. Other people are watching. If we're complaining about things, what do they think about our relationship with Jesus? Paul is not speaking about perfection. None of us are perfect here this morning. I like this. Be ye blameless and harmless, says the apostle. The Greek word might be translated hornless, as if you were to be creatures not only that do no harm, but could do, do not do any. Like sheep that not only will not devour, but cannot devour, for to... For if it were contrary to their nature, for they have no teeth with which to bite, no fangs with which to sting, no poison which to slay. And that was Charles Spurgeon. 
Paul meant that modern Christians should not be like rebellious Israel who were constantly complaining and disputing with God during the wilderness sojourn. That's David Goosey. So as the Holy Spirit, Hebrews 3, verses 7 through 11, says, so as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in, in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they, all, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. What a warning from the Lord. What it was the result of the Israelites complaining, they never entered God's rest. We want to enter God's rest, amen? We want to enter into that rest that he's given us. Paul also wanted the Philippian believers to let their light shine in the dark world. Let's read verse 15 again. So if you, if you don't complain or argue, look what happens. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like the stars in the universe. Hey guys, how many of you want to shine like the stars in the universe? How many of you, I, I've known some people, I had a lady one time, we were laying asphalt in uh, Sand Springs. Anybody know where Sand Springs is? In Tulsa, if you're familiar with Tulsa. And I was at the APAC plant, and a lady was sitting there. And uh, I'd go up into the asphalt, uh, uh, the house, the scale house, and we would sit there and talk with the guy that worked the scales. And this lady came in, and she looked at me. Now, again, this is not bragging. I want you to know that. I'm not bragging. That's not what I meant, because I'm not a perfect person. But it's interesting that she noticed God's spirit on me. She looked at me, and she said, man, you are glowing. And then she looked at me, and she says, do you know Jesus? And I went, yeah. And the guy in the, in the scale house looked at me and he freaked out a little bit. He goes, huh, what? People recognize you can glow in the Lord. I don't know how it happens, but it can happen. It's not makeup. I don't wear makeup. It, it's the Holy Spirit. You and I can glow. We can shine like the stars in the universe. I know I use a lot of commentaries, but it's good to get different thoughts on this. Look what he says. In allusion, something to those towers which were built at the entrance of harbors, on which fires were kept during the night to direct ships into the port. Genuine Christians, by their holy lives and conversation, are the means of directing others not only how to escape those dangers to which they are exposed on the temptuous ocean of human life, but also of leading them into the haven of eternal safety and rest. Adam C. Clarke. You and I are to be shining like the stars. People are to recognize and see that we're different. Right? Amen? Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, if it's in the red letters, who wrote it? Jesus. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Is your light shining? Is my light shining? That's the important thing we need to ask ourselves. So along with letting their light shine, Paul tells them to hold out the word of life. Look at verse 16. He says, As you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing or in vain. 
Hold firmly, Philippians 2.16, to the word of life. Hold firmly to the word of life. I put that scripture back up on the screen, the one we just read. What is the word of life? Christ. What is the word of life? What you and I read. How many of you guys are holding firmly to the word of God? Keeping it close to you. The words hold formally comes from the Greek word epeko, which means to hold upon, to retain. How many of you guys are retaining God's word? Or are you like a sieve? You know, they did a study a few years ago of pastors when they, would, they, they went through the congregation and they would ask the congregants during the week what their pastor preached on. They even asked the pastor, and you know what the percentage was? It was really low that, that they would even remember the message, including the pastor. There have been times somebody asked me, what did you preach on Sunday? I don't remember. Let's not be sieves, right? You know what a sieve is. You know, you put rock in there and it, 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 the, the sand goes through it. Let's retain it. Let's be a bucket that holds in the word of God. It means to, to detain, to pay attention to, to, to give or take heed unto, hold forth, mark to stay. Stay in the word. Stay with the word. Take hold of the word. Hold on to the word of life. 1 John chapter 2, verses 24 through 25 says this. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. He's talking about the gospel of your salvation. The scripture, the Bible, doctrine. He says, as for you, see what you heard from the beginning remains in you. Another Greek, the Greek word means to abide or continue in. It means keep God's word in your heart. If it does, conditional, right? If. If it does, you also will remain in who? The Son and in the Father. It's conditional. You have a choice. You can remain or not remain. You can stay or not stay. You get my drift. And this is what he promised us. What? Eternal life. We are saved eternally. We are secure. But we can walk away. Because God never takes away our free will. God will never take away your free will. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Here's the wonderful thing. God's going to do it with you again. He who began a good work in you will complete it. Paul's primary concern was that the Philippian believers would finish the race that they started. That's why he says, I don't want to do this in vain. If I, it, he says, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Paul calls for their Christian lives to be true for their own sake and also so that Paul may rejoice and boast about the Philippians. Paul has worked and labored in love for this congregation and he greatly desires at the final day to boast in all that they have become. He does not want us all, he, he, he does not want all love he has given to end up being for nothing. That's the Baker Illustrated Bible Commentary. So the thing that would keep the Philippian believers grounded was what? The Word of God. Paul was perfectly willing to make his life a sacrifice to God, and if that happened to him, it would be all joy. And he calls on them not to mourn at the prospect, but to re rather to rejoice. 
To him, every call for sacrifice or toil was a call to his love for Christ. And therefore he met it, not with regret or complaint, but with joy. So look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship or true act of worship. What Paul is saying there in that is that you and I are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. That means when Jesus becomes Savior, He becomes Lord. Master, you do with me what you want to do with me. That's what He's talking about there. Look what Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and do what? Follow me. In fact, one scripture says to follow daily, to pick up your cross daily. How many of you guys pick up your cross daily? You should, right? How many of us do this? We pick it up and go, nah, that hurts too much. Lord, that's hurting my pride a little bit. <laughs> I want to go back real quick. To this last part, look at verses 17 and 18 with me. And we're going to close. He says this in verse 17, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Again, what Paul is referring to there is he wants to see others, those that he's invested in, grow in their walk with God. Guys, that should be our heart, is not only to see ourselves growing, but to see others grow in their walk with Jesus. To see others grow up. Uh, how, many, how many Christians are still babes? They're still drinking of the milk. And they've known the Lord for a long time, but they're not eating of the word. They're not eating meat. And, and they have to be taught the fundamentals all over again. Guys, God wants us to grow up in our relationship with Him. He wants us to work out what He's already done in us. In fact, here in a minute, uh, Robert's going to come up and he's going to get baptized. And he's going to, like I shared last week, he's, he, it's an outward expression of an inward change. Back in August, he came forward and for the first time when I asked him, I said, is this the first time you've ever asked Jesus to And he said, yes. And he came forward and gave his life to Christ. And that began the work that God is working in him. And he's working those things out. It's an outward expression of an inward change that happened. In him. And guys, that happened for each of us. At one moment in our life, we gave our life to Jesus. And God is still working on it. We're, I think that we're like uh, roads on construction. Oklahoma always has construction cones out. Anywhere you go on the roads. I remember when Stacy and I first got married. I'm going to end with this. When Stacy and I first got married, we had a debate on who had the worst roads, Pennsylvania or Oklahoma. So we looked it up. It just so happens that Oklahoma and Pennsylvania, Oklahoma was last, but all of a sudden they skipped it and Pennsylvania took the last place. So God's always working on this road in my heart. We're saved. We've given our life to him, but he's still working on us. And it doesn't end right when you get saved. It ends when we go home to be with Jesus. And I need work. You need work. 
Thank goodness he's still working. What you need to be concerned about is if he's not working on you. Because if he's not working on you, that's where you need to go, uh-oh, where'd I mess up? With every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning. I know everybody, most everybody in here is saved and has given their life to Jesus. In fact, I'm going to ask real quick, I'm not going to. Are you here this morning and you'd say, I'm pastor, that's me. I've never given my life to Jesus. Or maybe I have, but I'm not living for him. And you want to give your life back to him this morning. Is that you? Anybody here this morning? Everybody's okay. Everybody's right with Jesus. Praise the Lord. Are you, are you here this morning and say, uh, Pastor, Jesus is working on my heart this morning. He's been working on my life. And right now he's working. And I just need prayer for, to get through the season that I'm going through right now. If you need that, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else here this morning? Thank you. Anybody else? Father, I just pray for those that you're working on this morning that raise their hand. They're going through a season in their life that's very difficult and hard. And I pray, Father, you would give them strength. You'd give them encouragement. Father, you would remind them that you have not left them alone, but you're going to complete what you started. That, Lord, that you're going to see them through this. That you're with them and you're faithful and you will do it. And I pray that they would know that this week and know that this morning as they leave this church. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you'll take a few minutes, i got to go change, and then we're going to baptize uh, Robert up here.
guys, this is Robert. Where are you getting down? This is Robert. Robert, back in August, you came forward and gave your life to Jesus. I shared a little bit about that this morning. Uh, what does Jesus mean to you? He means a lot. Forgiveness and love. Uh, he took someone that was in the gutter, in the dark, in the verge of death, and he showed me there's more to life than bad things, you know? And, um, yeah, I don't know how to, how to explain it more. It's just, just love. Love and forgiveness. Amen. If you'll turn around this way for me. Turn this way. Again, because I'm so short and he's so tall. He'll move up a little bit. Robert, you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and you've given your life to him and you're born again? Yes, sir. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, you've got water in your nose. Are you okay? Sorry about that. Well, thank you for being here this morning. Stay warm. We do have service tonight. You're welcome to come. If, uh, if there's five of you, there's five of you. That's okay. But enjoy the day. Stay warm. Stay inside. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.